Or cell phones. Yeah, there's a scary thought. But anyway, um, and so it was really interesting. Everybody up here is panicking. We're getting, you're getting all kinds of stuff and all of these threats and all of that. So I think most of you know that uh, I would drive out to the villages to train the pastors out in the bush. And uh, I was out there during that period of time. And I said, so, of course, now this is beliefs, right? They live in, in uh, the thatch, thatch homes with the dirt floors. And, and so I said, so uh, tell me, you know, what do you guys think about this, uh, this Y2K thing? And they were like, oh, Pastor Rick, we don't know what that is. And I said, well, you know, the world is supposed to stop in 2000. And they said, it is. <laughs> and I said, well, that's what they're telling us. And, and I said, so what do you think about all of that? They said, it's just another year. <laughs> that's the mentality uh, that uh, most of the world has. You know, time just moves on. And so we're going to be talking about a little bit of that. But at first, all right, little dweebs, I mean, kids, you can go. Oh, and the big dweebs, too, I suppose. Oh, some interesting stuff. We'll uh, take one more Sunday here to take a look at uh, this new year, keep this last year, and really, it's quite some time. We'll keep it all in perspective because this is the tendency that we happen to have in the, uh, in the age in which we live. We, we look at the here and now, and we seldom consider the past and, and understand that where we are not just here in America, but worldwide, is exactly where the past has brought us. And the mess that, that we as, as people have made of this world is pretty evident everywhere you go. And so we're going to take a, a look at that. So before we get started here, let me just tell you, we're going to be showing lots of maps and stuff here, but we're going to move through them quickly because I'm, there's something that you need to see. If you've been with us for a while, you've seen these before. I'm not going to belabor the point, but you need to see this because there is a lot happening in our world that I think at least most of us are aware of, but the level at which the danger exists, I'm not sure that, that many Americans, actually people in the West, are aware of. And uh, uh, things are not good, and they're spinning faster and faster towards a major league world conflict. Uh, we're literally, you know, very possibly within months of this happening. And I know that most of us probably are, are unaware. So we need to look at that and we're gonna, we're gonna take a look. So let's, first of all, let's pray and ask God to bless, bless our time as we set our minds for what all that stuff said there on the board, uh, you know, about, about keeping our focus on Jesus because that's the thing, that's where our hope is, right? It's not in our government. It's not in me. It's not in anyone else. It is in him and him alone. So Father, thank you. For, for getting us to this point. And Lord, we do thank you for the wonderful things that, that took place in 22. And we also pray for those, Lord, that are, I'm sorry, in 2021, but for those who had a really rough time of it, because we all know uh, for a multitude of reasons, but one in particular, that it was a bad year. Um, but here we are looking at a year that is ahead and everything we're being told is that uh, it's gonna be even worse than it was. But we thank you for it, Lord, because we know that you're in control. What we're seeing happen are the consequences of our foolishness, of rejecting who you are, rejecting what you said, and that has brought us to the point we find ourselves in. So as we approach this new year now, Lord, we just pray for a new perspective. We pray to see things 
that surround us, not from our view, but from your view, because you've told us all along exactly what is taking place. So nothing that's happening should surprise us, and yet it somehow seems to. So, Father, open our eyes. Help us to see these things, to recognize that these are the very things that you said would happen two, 3,000 years ago. And for the most part, we have just ignored it. Well, we need to start waking up. So bless this time, Lord, as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at previews of a coming attraction. All right, now I know I've used this in the past. That's because, you know, things keep happening. And this is really, from, from where I sit uh, and what I look at, this is really how most of us view this. We're watching this and we're seeing it. We're watching the news and what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening with the Ukraine, what's happening with China and Taiwan. We're looking at all of these different things in South America and Australia. We're looking at all of these things and we, we tend to look at it from a movie perspective. That it's somehow just like, you know, it's other people's business, it's not really ours, but it directly affects everything, all right? So there's previews of a coming attraction, but they're coming to a world near you. And it's time that we started paying attention. Now, what we need to understand, and we're going to look at this, and again, I'm going to move through this quickly. It's not my intent to show you all the maps and to show you all of the stuff, but I want you to see What's happening in our world we think is new because that's what the news tells us. Oh, it's a Jewish-Palestinian problem. It is not a Jewish-Palestinian problem. It has never been a Jewish-Palestinian problem, nor will it ever be a Jewish-Palestinian problem. So this nonsense that if Israel would just get out of the way and let the Palestinians have this, that peace would, is, is, is absurd. It's absolutely absurd, and it's spoken by anybody that does not understand history, has no perspective on history. So what we have to understand that when we look at history, history is his story, and his story is about his covenant. His promise to Abraham just didn't affect the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, folks. The promise also went to all of the nations that would be blessed by this promise. That would include you and I. And so we need to understand what has taken place because we can learn from what is in the past to help guide us for what is in the future. The problem is, as once was said by the philosopher here, George Sadayana, whatever his name is, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. It is this quote that is paraphrased in those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. Either way, it says pretty much everything that needs to say. We keep shooting ourselves. I'm talking about humanity as a whole. We keep shooting ourselves in the foot because we don't learn where we've been. We just don't. We keep making the same mistakes. And everybody talks about this, this world that, that, you know, why can't we just get back to where everybody just gets along and the world is at peace? Again, point to one point in history, known history, point to one moment, a, a moment, I'm not talking a year, I'm talking about a moment where this world has ever been at peace. Name it. It doesn't exist. So you would think, getting to 2022, that we could look back at that and say, well, you know what, we've never seen this in the past, so clearly we're not doing something correct. Let's take a look at how we can make a change for the future, how we can make it better. 
The problem is that most people ignore the past, which is what this quote is all about, and therefore, because we're not interested in history. I mean, if there was a, a class that I remember hating in high school more than history, I don't know what it was. Well, maybe English, because I, I flunked English, just so you know. And I kept it hidden from my dad all summer long until my senior year, and then I had to show him my report card because I had to redo 11th grade English. Let me just say he was not pleased. Um, but just, I hated this stuff. But then, as I became a believer and I started reading the Scripture, I started to see, and even me as a dorky guy growing up in the 70s, started to recognize that, wow, this is explaining a lot of the world that I know. And I didn't know much about the world because I was just into rock and roll music and, you know, being a, you know, being a rock star. That was my plan. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't, Think about it. But the more I started to get into the Word of God, the more I started to say, oh my goodness, I can see, you know, the world is contrary to what this is saying. And it became more and more obvious that the world is like this because we're ignoring the Word. We're not listening to what God has said. You know, we've gotten so smart in our day, right? And back in the 70s, we thought we were really smart. Now, you look back at the 70s, for those of us that grew up in the 70s, we go, we weren't really that smart. In fact, we were rather dorky, to say the least. And so, you know, but we, this, the past is there for us to learn from, and yet we continue to make the same mistakes. Now, that is probably the same path that the world will continue on. The challenge is to you and I as believers. Are we going to trust the world and its evaluation of itself, which clearly isn't that great? Or are we going to trust the Word of God, which tells us not only what has happened, what is happening, but what will happen? Which are we going to trust? Which one can be verified as being accurate? Well, it isn't the news reports of the world right? I showed you guys here a few weeks ago. We have the whole big climate change thing and global warming now, right? That's the big issue that's out there. But I showed you that from the 70s that I was just talking about, we had Spock on the news 70 years ago in the 1970s. So not that long ago, folks, who was telling us that the world is looking to the next ice age and all the scientists backed the proof. That was a few years ago. Nobody talks about it. So we've gone from the great freeze. I mean, I went down and I lived in San Diego. I went down and bought snow boots and gloves and you know, earmuffs and all this stuff. And guess what? It never happened. But we were told then, you can go on YouTube and watch this. I'm telling you, check it out. Kind of cheesy when you look at stuff from the 70s. I thought we were really cool, but really not that much. But you can go back and look there. And they'll tell you all of the scientists are talking, all the climatologists in the 70s, said that the world is plunging into the next ice age based on all of the temperatures that we have monitored for the past decades. All of a sudden now, all of the monitoring of the next ice age is turning out to be global warming? What happened here? And you and I and the world around us bought it. We bought it. We completely ignore what they told us before, and now we embrace it. What are they going to tell us next week? We're going to all be in just summer conditions, and, you know, it's going to be tropical stuff. I mean, I mean, you see, this changes constantly. And you and I 
allow it because we never question it. Because this is what the scientists tell us. Well, again, in the 70s, the same scientists were telling us we were going to freeze to death. Now we're going to burn to death. It's just the, the absurdity of this. And, and we just allow it to continue to take place without questioning it. We'll listen to all of our news programs, to all of our Twitter feeds and all of our Facebook and all of the YouTube stuff and all that without researching it any. And we just sit back and we just take it because it's what they're telling us. And after all, didn't the scientists say it's sad. It is totally sad that we have gotten to the place where we have allowed these people who clearly have been lying to us for a multitude of reasons for decades, but we'll still continue to trust them. It's just ridiculous, and yet we do it. And for you and I, especially since we have the truth, we have the Word of God, what's wrong with us? But I bet if I ask for a show of hands, and I won't, how many of us spend any time at all during the day of any given day in the Word of God? It's not. No, we're, we're more worried about this. We're more worried about that. We're more worried about this. All of the things that add up to the condition that the world is in, and we just completely ignore it because we ignore, or, or we, just, we just buy it because we completely ignore God's Word. The only time we hear God's word is when we go and listen to the big fat guy set up in front of Calvary Chapel Mesquite and dribble on his, you know, stuff coming out of his mouth, right? That's the only time we open the word of God is when Rick puts it up on the PowerPoint. That's sad, folks. That is sad. So, you know, we, we have to snap out of this because you don't know that I'm telling you the truth. Right? I mean, I've got this baby, well, I wouldn't call it a baby face, but I've got this honest face. Surely he wouldn't lie. Really? No, of course not. We're, because I'm, we're teaching the Word of God. So we got to stop listening to the chatter. Stop. Because none of it is true, none of it is accurate. We keep saying, we'll keep listening to these people on all of these news programs that we all watch. We have our favorites, and I'm not going to pick one over the other because they're all whack jobs. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Including the one that deals, you know, starts with Fox. <laughs> they're all the same. They have been lying to us repeatedly. They've got all these people dying, and they're all getting caught in what's being done to them. Nothing. The very people that we now know have proof, have evidence that have been lying to us, we still tune in and listen to what they have to say. You don't see a problem with that. But this is where we get our information from. A government that surely would never lie to us, right? A World Health Organization would never lie or mislead us. Are you sure? How do you know that? It's just ridiculous. So, we have got to understand what is taking place in view of what the Scripture says. And in case you did not know, the Scripture tells us everything we need to know about world history, current events, and the future of the world. It tells us everything. It's all there. And that's why we're going to take a look at these things. So, don't get wrapped around the axle. Don't get caught in this. Don't say, well, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in this particular theologian. I don't care. This is what the Scripture says. You're going to have to deal with that. If you have a problem with what we're about to look at, your problem is with God's Word, not with Rick. I'm just telling you what it says. I'm not even going to try to interpret it. I'm just going to show you. So, 
the, there's several places, but the one that I think that we know most, which I think identifies most clearly what is happening in our world, because again, we think America, you got to stop thinking America. You got to stop. There's nothing wrong with America. I serve this country. Please don't accuse me of being, you know, anti-patriotic. That is not the case. I'm saying don't get myopic and think that America is, is, this is, is the center of everything because it isn't. It's just not. There's a world and we never look at the world. We just look at what's happening with us, okay? Like, you know, the guys in Belize about Y2K. Everybody in America and Europe was panicked. The people that lived in the third world, they didn't worry about anything. It's just another day, see? But our perspective was completely different. So, so if we want to understand what's happening, we need to go back to what God has already told us. <clears throat> the, probably the key place is, of course, in the book of Daniel, if you're familiar with the scripture at all, you know about the book of Daniel. Now, there, every, every chapter is highly significant, but there are actually several of them, but we're going to focus on three of them here this morning. Not really focus on them, but sort of touch on them just to give ourselves a, an overview of what's taking place in our world, because it's all right there. In case you didn't know, it's all right there. It's all right there. And so what, what Daniel has is is there's a king that had come on the scene who was from a country or an empire, I should say, uh, in those days whose name was Nebuchadnezzar, and he was king of Babylon, okay? Technically, or, or basically, in the area that we now recognize as Iraq, he was the first one to conquer the city of Jerusalem, destroy it, and take the people of God out. And so Daniel's prophecy begins there. Because there were empires before that. There was the Hittites, there was the Egyptians, there was the Assyrians. But even though they, they con controlled, Assyria, uh, controlled that area, they, they, didn't, they took the northern tribes out, but they left the southern. So Daniel picks up in Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 7 with what's happening down where Jerusalem is. Why? Because Jerusalem is the land that God had promised Abraham. Remember the covenant. Always about the covenant. Always has been. It always will be. I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you descendants, and you're going to be a blessing to the whole world, to all the nations of the earth. That's the covenant. So, so from the book of Daniel, you get this, the, the, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream, and he sees this image. Now, we're going to take a look at this here in just a few minutes, um, and I'll explain this. And, and he sees this, and he's completely freaked out. He knows that it's more than a dream, Okay. It's, there's something he's, that's being communicated to him, but he cannot understand it. So he calls his, you know, really smart guys, you know, his presidential aides, those people. And he brings them in and uh, all of the, you know, the global reporters and stuff because they all know. Anyway, he brings them all together and he tells them, hey, this is what has happened to me and you need to explain this. Well, great. Tell us what you saw. No, I'm not going to tell you what you saw. If you're as great and you know as much as you tell me that you know, You'll be able to tell me. And they were like, oh, nobody could ever do that. That's not possible. Well, this is where Daniel steps in. So Daniel is called in because Daniel is, of course, one of the captives from Israel. And Daniel is brought in, and everybody has recognized that, that the God of Israel, because remember, they're now in Babylon. So there's not just the God of Babylon. There's the gods, plural, of Babylon. So you got the God of Israel and his people now in, under the control of the Babylonians and their gods. But none of their guys could figure this out. But everybody says, that guy, Daniel, he really knows things. And so Daniel finds out that he's got to go explain this. So he prays. 
And God reveals to him what it is that he had shown to the king. And so Daniel comes in, and the king, as he's telling him this, he's saying, look, you need to understand something, king, before I tell you what's going to happen here. Pay close attention to this. This is not me telling you anything. Okay? This is God explaining to you what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's yet to do. Make sure that you understand. It's not coming from me as a man. It's not coming from the nation of Israel. It's not coming from the people of Babylon, nor of you or your leadership. It's coming from the God, the true God. He's going to tell you everything that's happening. That's the preface. So Nebuchadnezzar says, sweet. So Daniel then explains the dream. He gives this this explanation of what Nebuchadnezzar had saw. Now, if you've done any study in your Bibles at all, you've all seen the images. People have drawn it and all that kind of stuff. And I got to be honest with you, for years and years and years, I thought, well, geez, I wish somebody could have drawn a better image because this thing really looks cheesy. And then I saw the new UN sculpture and I thought, wow, those guys weren't that far off. We're going to be taking a look at that here in a few minutes. So when you look at this, don't get lost in this. So what Daniel sees, or what Daniel interprets to Nebuchadnezzar based on what God had showed to him as the king, in this image, it's basically multiple parts. The head is divided up, then the chest and arms, plural, two arms, and then there's a belly and the thighs, so again, starting off singular, then branching out into two thighs uh, of brass, and then there are legs from the knees to the ankles that are iron. Again, two, keep that in mind, and then there are two feet that are described, okay? So that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw. He sees this image. So Daniel's interpretation of this is, you need to understand that God is telling you, not me, God is telling you, you are the head of gold, right? You're, the, you're at right now on the top of the heap. And then after you, there's going to be another kingdom who is going to, cons- from one consolidation, but is going to be branched into two areas. And then there's going to come a kingdom after that, which is represented by the belly and the thighs of a kingdom that will start out in unity but will break into two halves, and those two halves would extend to another kingdom that will follow it, and that's what you saw, okay? So here is how most people interpret this, and, I, and, and this is what Daniel is saying. Now watch. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet of iron uh, and partly of clay. So there's, from Daniel chapter 2, this is the breakdown. This is what you saw, king, and this is, I'm explaining to you what is happening here. Now, interestingly enough, in Daniel chapter 7, after some things have happened, I won't, we, we can't get into the book of Daniel. We'll be here till next, until 2023. But if uh, what happens is in Daniel chapter 7, God gives Daniel God's perspective of these same kingdoms, but from God's perspective, they're nothing more than beasts. That's all they are. They might be strong, they might be powerful, but they're, they're just beasts. They just do what is natural. They hunt, they kill, they destroy just to keep themselves fed. They're not, they have no feelings. 
That's just what they do. So that's Daniel chapter 7. So the same kingdoms are shown in chapter 2 as these fine metals, or metals, and then in Daniel chapter 7, it's, I should do this way, chapter 2, I'm backwards from you guys, and then chapter 7 are the same kingdoms but identified as these beasts, okay? Now, again, if you've already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to see it here this morning, so if you haven't, you'll know. All beasts, right? What is the sculpture at the UN that was just put up? It's identifying all of the peace of mankind. This is for the betterment of humanity. It's lined up and stuff. It's a sculpture of beasts. Want to guess what beasts? Sounds like they might have been reading Daniel, but more about that later. All right? So here's what we're looking at. All right? There's the big beast guy. Okay, this is the one I used to kind of always laugh at. So you can see in Daniel chapter 2, it's the metals. In Daniel chapter 7, it's the beast. So the first one is Babylon. Okay, so look quickly to the map to the right. This was the Babylonian Empire that Nebuchadnezzar conquered. He took it from Assyria, who had taken it from Egypt. And you have to understand that that world history, and we're seeing it today, as a matter of fact, that you just didn't destroy these other empires. You just defeated them, and then you absorbed everything they had. So there was just, you know, the big fish eating the smaller fish. That's what's happening. So the Babylonian Empire, you can see here. Now, notice, I put the circle there for a purpose. Notice where it's right in the heart of that Jerusalem, Okay. Keep this in mind because we're going to move on. All right? And you can see the dates there. I'm not interested in spending our time on this. Then to follow him was what we call the Medo-Persian. Remember, it's a chest with arms, too. There was the, uh, the, the, the uh, empire of the Medes, the empire of the Persians. We know them today as the Kurds and the Iranians. Oh, yeah. We're watching this all happen again in case you're wondering where I'm headed with this. Now, notice that the Medo-Persian Empire, and actually Persia would come out on top. By the way, Persia is Iran today, just so you know. Um, 1935, it was changed. Um, so this is the Medo-Persian. Now, notice what's happened. They've absorbed, they absorbed all that Babylon had. They've, there's Judea again so with Jerusalem down there, and they even expanded down into Egypt. So the Medo-Persian Empire... Uh, expanded, absorbed everything that Babylon had, and expanded, okay? Well, that didn't stop there, and this is where it really gets interesting, is that Daniel, when we go to chapter 8, is told that, the, that in his day, the people understood when you, you know, you always see the movie, uh, the, uh, the, the, the movies with the Roman soldiers or whatever, and on their flags, it's always an eagle because that's Rome. That's what Rome represented. So they would, in, in the, the days of the Persians, it was a ram. Okay? And it was a ram. And all of a sudden, in Daniel chapter 8, which is when Daniel is writing this under Persian rule, Gabriel, the angel, we know who it is. There's no question. God sends Gabriel and says, hey, you see the ram? Because, and, and Daniel sees that there's this goat that comes from the west, and it just streaks down. And he sees this prominent horn. That's what you're seeing there. And it strikes the ram and just crushes the ram. And you can see here, it's the Greek empire. This is Alexander the Great. This is precisely what would happen after Daniel wrote. It was current through the Persian empire. This now moves into, even for Daniel, future. 
Okay? So the, the, the Greek empire under Alexander the Great would storm out of Macedonia, and what we know today is Greece, which they did not know was Macedonia, well, they didn't know it was Macedonia and Greece, but they called it the land of Yavan, which is all of Greece, Macedonia, what we know today is Macedonia, and Turkey. They never separated them. Turkey, Greece, Macedonia, all of those places when you look at on a map today, these guys understood as being the, the Greek one. So in other words, the Turks would have been included in this. Now, if this is all sounding familiar, it should, because this is exactly what we're having. So you can see the notable little horn, the, bit, the horn. That's Alexander the Great, okay? So that's the kingdom of Greece. Now look at how much more it has expanded. And of course, you've got Jerusalem in the middle. And if you know your history, you know that Alexander dies. He died at a really young age. They don't know why. They think, uh, uh, you know, possibly syphilis or, or something else. But he died, and then he had he'd said, I don't have any place else to conquer. He had conquered everything. Now, notice where all of this is focusing on the Middle East. Gee, it's a shocker that the Middle East is so much in the news today. It's always been in the news. None of this was happening anywhere else in the world. So this isn't a new development. So stop listening to the people that tell you it is. It's not. Okay, so this is the Grecian Empire. The thing is, he dies, he doesn't have any sons. So his kingdom is divided up into four leaders, and this is the other part of this. Notice that the little horn of the goat, that there's four. See that goofy-looking goat there with the four horns? His kingdom is divided up into his four generals. Cassander, Lysimachus, and then one of them took Greece, one of them took Macedonia, Seleucus that took Syria, and then Ptolemy, which took Egypt, okay? So this enters us into that period of the, the Seleucids and the Ptolemies. Now, why is that important? Because this is where Cleopatra all comes in. Cleopatra was the last Ptolemaic ruler, but the Seleucids, the first king, there would be one of those four horns that would rise up and would just basically, the scripture says this, and I'm going to give you a Rick paraphrase, he was a big mouth jerk. Simple as that. He didn't care about anybody. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes. He's the one that destroyed the temple, that did all of the stuff, put the altar of Zeus in there with his face on it, imagine that, and desecrated the temple and slaughtered a pig on that. It was his actions that led to the Maccabean revolt. When the Maccabean revolt came, the cleansing of the temple took eight days, and that's the period of called dedication or the period of Hanukkah. We just celebrated. We just talked about all of this. That was this guy. So out of the kingdom of Greece, or out of Alexander's exploits with Greece and coming into Persia, his kingdom, remember two thighs, starts off with a belly, goes into two thighs, is the solution to the Ptolemies. There you can see the map. So the Ptolemies end up being the rulers in, the, in, um, in the Egypt. The Seleucids end up running. Now notice again, Seleucia is what we would call Syria, but that included Turkey, and it included what we would recognize today as Macedonia, Greece, and all of those places. Okay? It's the same area. Nothing has changed. The names have changed to protect the, I don't know why, but the names have changed. Well, I do know why. We had to do with Israel once again, but that's another story for another time. So, so this is what you have here. So in this one image now, we've seen all of the empires, and we know from world history that this is spot-on accurate, which is why the critic says Daniel could have never written this. Because Daniel lived 500 years before Jesus. 
We're talking already 200 years after Daniel, the 300 years after Daniel. Daniel would have never known that. Well, Daniel didn't know that, but his God did. And so all of these things that somebody else wrote Daniel after all of this goes out the window because Jesus quoted from this book. So if you got a problem with who wrote Daniel, your problems are bigger because you don't believe Jesus. You really shouldn't concern yourself with who wrote Daniel. The problem is you don't believe Jesus. Jesus said it was Daniel. Chapter, in Matthew chapter 24, we just looked at this in, in our study on, I was going to say on Sunday mornings, where we were before the holidays hit. So, so this is what happens, this king, his kingdom is divided up. Okay, you can see the two, Cassander and Lysimachus there, and then that's the four generals, that's the four horns. Okay, and by the way, Daniel is told by Gabriel that while all of this stuff is going on, and, and remember Daniel has gone from Babylon, he's now in Persia, that that. This is a supernatural problem that is taking place here. Gabriel says, hey, man, I was, I was sent to you when you started to pray. But, but the prince of Persia, the supernatural control of Persia, didn't let me through until Michael showed up and let me through. And when I, when I, when I go back, I'm not going to just have to fight with him. I'm going to have to fight with the spirit of Greece. The prince of Greece. See, again, we don't like to think there's a supernatural element to this, but there is. And if you don't think the people of the Middle East think, don't think there's a, there's a supernatural aspect to this, then you need to think again. They call him Allah. It is what it is. Who is Allah? He's a supernatural. Why do they do everything they do? In the name of Allah. Allah, Allah Akbar. Just saying. So... <clears throat> So that's what you see. That's what's taking place. And then, of course, you have Rome, which is, again, knees to, to ankles. And Rome itself divided up into two, Western Rome and, and Eastern Rome. West settled in, of course, what we know today is the Vatican in the north. The, the, it became what we call you know, Roman, Romanism and stuff. But the division came now to the east and was uh, set up in Byzantium, which is in the guess when, where, where that was at. Turkey what they would have known as the Seleucid Empire with Constantinople because Constantine was the ruler at the time. And all of this was taking place there. And you can see here, so the Byzantine, we're not looking at the West, we're looking down here because you can see what's happening here. All of this stuff is taking place in the hotbed of the world. But it just happened because of Israel, right? This was 168 BC when the Romans came in. You can see it all started in 605 BC. So once again, why are, you, why are we listening to these people that tell us this stuff? We got professors in our colleges telling us this stuff. We got pastors in pulpits telling us this stuff. Well, they ignore the very word of God that they say they teach. That is heartbreaking. And sadly, many believers are sitting in church today are still hearing messages of how bad Israel is and treating the Palestinians. It's in churches across this country, folks. It is all over the place. It's because they ignore this, because it's not popular to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about the, this place that all knows Jerusalem is at the heart of all of this, that this was all about Jerusalem. Why did all of those empires, all the way to Rome, why did they want to go in and control Jerusalem? Have you ever asked yourself that question? It was just a podunk city in those days. There really wasn't anything there. Seriously, 
It was like Mesquite and Bunkerville. <laughs> I'm from Nevada. Where are you from? Las Vegas? Well, no little place outside of Vegas. Really? Where's that? Mesquite. I don't know where that is. Unless, of course, they've come here to golf. Then they know, right? <laughs> but you see, that's what Jerusalem was like, and yet every single one of these empires fought to control it. We're going to see it doesn't stop here. It still hasn't stopped here. Why? What's so special about Jerusalem? Did you see the movie here? It's been several years now. I can't think of what it was called. But it was about the Crusades. Uh, Orlando Bloom was in it. Oh, what was it called? Anyway, huh? Kingdom of Heaven. And they go in there, and of course, it's the crusaders fighting against the Muslims, and, and they're all in there and stuff, and he finally gets, and I can't remember whether it's a Suleiman the Magnificent or whatever, but he's talking to them when this is all settled. And he says to this guy, what is so special about Jerusalem? And Suleiman says, nothing. And then he gets a grin, and he goes, everything. You see, folks, you're being lied to, and you're swallowing it. Because you're being told that it's just started since Israel has gotten back into the land. From the 67 borders, that's the problem. Really? Are you completely oblivious to history? Remember, those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Well, what do you see that's happening today? It's just mind-blowing. Folks, this isn't here. This isn't, you know, like something that only Rick can do. All of you can do this. Do you know where I got all these images and stuff from? The same websites that you use. I didn't conjure these things up. It's all out there available. But how many of us as the people of God who understand what God has told us about the world, how many of us have looked into it and studied it for ourselves? No, we'll leave that to the guys at the front. Why? And then we'll listen to the news tell us. Because the historians surely get it right. I mean, we have the History Channel, Rick. They would never get things mixed up. You know, the, you know, the National Net Geo, National Geographic Channel, we watch all of these channels. Through one breath, David Attenborough shows the poor polar bears walking. I and mean, you saw this commercial, right? Because, of course, it's all global warming. Polar bears walking on there, and it's all water, and it says, well, with climate change, you know, the, 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 law, the world of the, this is in the same program, and you can watch this, by the way, in the same program, and he's out there on the little iceberg floating because his world is melting away, and we're going to lose the polar bear. And then in the same thing, as the winter comes in, the whole thing free freezes, and the same guy, David Attenborough, who just told us that his world is going to weigh, because the ice is melting, now tells us that the bear's not going to survive because of the ice. And we watch and we just go, poor polar bears. We'll get a polar bear thing hang on my mirror so that everybody knows I support the bears. Polar bears are awesome. But come on. And you and I just keep... Keep feeding us. Tell us what we want to hear. Just tell us, poor polar bears. Remember the polar bear back in the 70s, according to Leonard Newmore? He was going to have, because the whole world was going to freeze. He didn't have to just stick in the Antarctic. He could walk all over the whole dang world. It was going to freeze again. That was a heyday. But here we are, 40-whatever years later, whatever it is now from the 70s, um, whatever we are, and it's completely changed. 
But we keep listening to these people. We keep listening to them. Oh, it's the Jews. The problem is the Jews. The problem is the climate. It's the pandemic. Really? We're going to see that here in just a sec because there's a method to the madness here. Okay? We're not even going to talk about the feet, but the feet are this is all going to try to come back together and it's not going to work. Let's just put it that way. Okay? So you can see the Byzantine of the Roman period. That's where it's going on. Now, this was the Byzantine area. Now, notice it's all in the orange there. Anatolia, that is to, for us modern guys, Turkey. But notice it's also the orange there, which is the area that we call um, uh, Macedonia and Greece today. That's not what they called it. See, we're sure that everything's been named that same way. Really? Go find, try to find Yugoslavia today on a map. Right? It's not there, is it? You know, wow, that's just happened within the few. When I was in high school, it was Yugoslavia. Where the court did it go? And who decided it shouldn't be there anymore anyways? And then there was Czechoslovakia. Where's it at? Where did it go? There's like poor Pluto out there in the things. All of a sudden, the poor guy got his planet status taken away from him. It's no longer a planet. Who decides this stuff? And you and I go, oh, okay. Right? We just follow it along. When all the time we have the truth in our laps that it tells us everything we need to know and we ignore it. We ignore it. It's It's sad. But this is all the same place. Now, Constantinople there got its name changed later when the Turks came in, and they changed it to Istanbul. That's still there today. But you can see there it was part of the, the Byzantine Empire. Notice again, Jerusalem is right in the heart of the issue. Now, the Byzantine Empire kind of collapsed because there was an empire already on the rise. That's why it doesn't look that big here. But watch what happens. So, I'm sorry. That which has been is that which shall be. And that which has been done is that which shall be done. And there was nothing new under the sun. So we're seeing a new development in the news today. I mean, after all, it's called news. No, we're not. We're not seeing anything that's new. We're seeing everything that's been repeated. Okay? Remember those who don't uh, learn from history? So... Now, we're going to get into some stuff here because I want to take this now and move this into our day. And you say, well, what does that have to do with all those maps? Everything. Everything. Back in the, in the 20th century at the beginning, in 1918, I'm not going to pick on the pandemic car. I want to show you some statistics, but that's not my point. I just want to show you the reality that the pattern that we saw starting here is being repeated today because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that is, is what has been. We just read it. So the Spanish flu, which was, by the way, H1N1A, this is the first time they identified the virus, happened in 1918, okay? The world population in 1918 was 1.5 billion. Well, that's about six, a little over six billion less than what we have today in just you know, what is it, 100 and whatever years, 104 years now, okay? So that's the world population. The U.S. population was 103 million, smaller than Vegas in 1918, okay? So keep this all in mind. There were 500 million cases worldwide of the Spanish flu, which was one-third of the population of the world. Wow. 
This thing was incredible. And for those of you that were there, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was bad. There were 200 or 20 to 50 million deaths. Obviously, stats weren't as great there. Um, and there were 675. Why did that print like that? I don't know why that did that. These aren't going to work. I put this up there. Now, I'm challenging you because you're told this. We're watching this on the news. Go on and look at this and look at it in comparison to the current pandemic that we have. We're being misled, people. Wake up. Wake up. Okay, you can't read it. I don't know what happened to the font here, but I can't even read that. Shoot. So anyway, trust me, do your homework. You know when I got all this? Well, this is showing up a little bit more. So I did this last night. Just Googled each one of these things. In Spanish, just to find out. It's all there for everybody to see. I'm not telling you anything. I'm not misleading you. Because our leaders will. But you can go on and look at the actual numbers from the CDC and from the World Health Organization. It does not have to we're being told. It doesn't. Period. And nobody says anything. Now, this is serious. Please don't misunderstand. It's very serious. People are dying, folks. It's serious. I'm not in any way saying that it's not. I'm simply saying it's not what we're being told. Okay? And this is the thing. The, the numbers here, you can see in 2021, malaria cases worldwide. Now think about this for a minute. Worldwide malaria cases. So in other words, everywhere but the West. We don't have malaria here, which should make you wonder why the rest of the world does. If we're able to keep it out of here and we're so smart with our technology, why are we not sharing it? Notice Malaria cases, there were 241 million malaria cases last year. The numbers are comparable to COVID. Does anyone talk about it? No. And this, folks, didn't just start in 2020 and 21. This has been this way for centuries. Nobody talks about it. Because we think that the people that die from this is more sad than the people that die from that. Look at the deaths. 627,000 people died last year from malaria. Last year. How many died the year before? 627,000. How many died before that? Another 600,000. Does anybody talk about this? No, no, because we're only interested in things that affect us. Malaria, that's the third world problem, right? So the news never talks about this. We talk about our friends and our family who have died from the virus. And we want everybody to know that. But what about our friends and our family members that have died from heart attacks? And from which, by the way, are right up there with the COVID numbers, or those who've suffered from kidney disease, or from, you know, we could go on, or from the common cold and the flu. We ignore those because we're told, don't look over there, nothing to see there. Look here, look here. So that's what we do to the point to where it breaks us up. Relationships between followers of Jesus Christ, relationships are severed because of this very issue. You don't see a problem with that. 
That's pathetic. It's a joke. No wonder the world laughs at the church. That's why. So this is how many people died from malaria. Then uh, cardiac arrest, I think I've got it on here. The current world population is 7.0. This really got messed up. I don't know what happened when I transferred this over. The font changed on me. Okay, anyway. But you could see, again, just take the time to look at it yourself instead of listening to what everyone else is talking. Just do it, and you'll see what I'm saying. Okay? So the Spanish flu, with everything that it came in, um, what happened right after that, 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 that same time, World War I was ending. And in 1917, I mean approximately, but in that area, Zionism begins. The Jews start coming out of Europe and start, start settling. Actually, they're doing a lot in Europe, and they're starting to make the move. This is when the Hebrew language is, quote-unquote, restored, which it never was lost. But anyway, um, so this is the beginning of Zionism. Now, notice, pandemic, war, Zionism. The Jews are right in the midst of that. After the war and the great victory, by the way, that asterisk, does anybody else know what happened at the end of World War I concerning the Middle East? The Ottoman Empire is destroyed. It ceases to exist. The Ottomans are no longer in control. Or were they? Yeah, you're going to see that they are. World War I, so the, the pandemic leads to a world war, which initiates this. What happens after the war? Well, there's the economic boom, and of course, again, for those of you who were there, the Roaring Twenties. You know, when the gals had a little dude, whatever that jig is, and whatever that, you know, with all the little frilly stuff, and we see all the pictures, that, that all came on the heels of this. You're seeing a pattern here. <laughs> what's happening now? See, we haven't got to the war point yet, but they're telling us what's going to get the economy got it going. Many out there telling us another stinking war. What's wrong with these people? But anyway, whatever. Oh, but that sounded really good. Oh, I don't know, until the 30s hit. Then we had the Great Depression. Okay. So you see the pattern, right? Pandemic, war, economic, this, then collapse, uh, this. What, did, what led to that? Well, I don't know, World War II? And at the end of the conclusion of World War II, what happens? Israel goes back into the land and is established as a nation in 1948. So all of this happened before there was any such thing as an Israel. There was no Israel. Remember the big maps. All of this stuff was happening over there all of this time. So this is, what is, this is what's going on here. Whoops. Oh, darn it. Thing jumped back on me. So how was your day? Um, <laughs> ah, durr, went, went too far now. So this now was the Ottoman Empire. Because out of the Byzantine began to come in the 6th century under a fellow by the name of Mohammed, began to be this rise, once again, from all of those people groups in that land and the Ottoman. Look at the size of the Ottoman Empire, folks, under Suleiman the Magnificent. Okay? Well, oh, come on, Rick, that was, that was a thousand years ago or more. Was it? You think what you're seeing right now happening in the Middle East isn't exactly what we're looking at here? Really? You can't see that? It's just incredible. So when Daniel 8, after describing the ram, 
I mean, the goat coming and smashing the ram, and then his kingdom being divided by his four, leading to the Seleucid Empire, leading to the Romans, leading Byzantines, and leading to the Ottomans and stuff like that. Gabriel goes on in chapter 8 after all of that, and he describes something that for some reason people seem to miss. In Daniel chapter 8, this is Gabriel after explaining this, saying this, and he said, that's Gabriel, behold, I will, I will make you know what shall happen in the last end of the indignation. So what he saw wasn't going to happen until the last indignation. When's the last indignation? Revelation. Have we seen it yet? No. So it's still future even for us. For it is for the, uh, there it is, Mohed, the same as the feasts, the, the appointed time for the end. Clearly it wasn't the end when the Ottomans came in because Israel had became a nation right after that. So he's not talking about that, but he's talking about something yet future to us. So again, well, what does all this have to do with us? Everything. Then in Revelation, we read this about still something future. And he's, he sees, John sees this beast come up and it's got seven heads, and it's got 10 horns and all that stuff. We looked at it for our Revelation study. You go back and look at that again. But notice what's happening here. Still the future. Okay, watch what's happened. These are also, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seventh. So the eighth kingdom, which is still future even for us, is of the seven. It's nothing new. It's been there all along. We're just, we just haven't seen it yet but it's going to perdition. Well, when you line all of these up, how does this look? You have Egypt, Assyria. Um, whoops, I, sh I started this at the wrong place. Start, I messed up. Started Babylon. One, two, three, four, okay? So you can see these are five kings. One is five, and then, then there was this kingdom to come, the Ottoman, but there's another one that's coming, which is the eighth, which is of. Remember I said back, it ended in 1918 at the end of World War I? What is happening right now in the Middle East? Does anybody know or has anybody heard? Because it's all out there I'm telling you, check it out. Where Erdogan has come out and said that he longs to be the caliph of the new restored or revived Ottoman Empire of the Turks. The guy admits it. He says this is exactly what they're trying to do. Right now, Turkey seems a little insignificant because right now it's Iran, right? With so much stuff going on. Well, it is, but look at this. So all of these places and this expanded Ottoman Empire, what are we looking at? There's a world map. What is this map? Folks, it's Islam. That's current, by the way. This is Islam. Is this the same area? Does this look like something that the Jews caused to you? Really? You know the problem with the Jews and why they hate the Jews and why they're trying to get rid of them? Because look in the midst of all of that green. What do you see right there? That little yellow spot. Because you see, as long as Israel is in there, the Ottoman Empire cannot be reestablished. Maybe that's why the Turks have moved into Syria and are talking about threatening Israel. See what's going on here? This is nothing more than a revived Ottoman caliphate, which is exactly what Erdogan says he wants. And he's working towards it. Okay, 
This is a map. This is current. Again, you can go on and look at this. These are the forces, the military forces that are in Syria. There's Turkey up there in the north. You can see the representation of their flags and who they are in that country there. And you can see, and they're all pushed into there, and notice who they're surrounding. Now you see Hezbollah there. That's in Lebanon. And you'll hear on the news, the reports will be, well, the Israelis fired at the Lebanese. They didn't fire at the Lebanese. They fired at the Hezbollah, who's in Lebanon. They have no problem with the Lebanese. The Israelis have said that publicly. Our problem isn't with the Lebanese. It's with Hezbollah. Who's Hezbollah? Iran. It's not Lebanese. They're just in Lebanon, so our news people call them Lebanese. This is how dumb this is. Well, it's the same thing in Hamas. Down here in the Gaza Strip, that's where Hamas is at. That's the Palestinians. Well, Israel attacked the Palestinians. No, they didn't. They attacked Hamas. Who was Hamas? Iran. Do you see, did you guys see what happened yesterday? Hamas, which the news will tell you, will, will negate this, fired two rockets at Israel. Neither one of them hit at Tel Aviv just yesterday. Two. And in there. They were so off course, one of them exploded out in the midst of the Mediterranean Sea, and one of them was far enough offshore that it didn't even alert the Iron Dome system. The sirens didn't even go off. That's how bad their aim was. And you know how, how have you, if you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. You know how they're reporting what happened, why they're missing? It was lightning. <laughs> lightning came and threw our guidance systems off. But there was no lightning in the area, dude. But the U.S. government and all of our, you know, our Middle East people will tell you, well, it was, they didn't really, sh yes, they did. They just messed up. To which, by the way, about eight hours ago, Israel responded. If you haven't seen it yet, you will. That's what we're talking about. All those maps that I showed you were to show you that nothing has changed. Because you can see this Iraq down there in Jordan here, it just continues on. But we're focused on Syria now because this is where all of the events are happening. And what are all of these people, what do they all have in common? And used to say the red, white, and blue would be out of, well, our red, white, and blue would be out of it. But now you makes you wonder. But all of, they all have, they want to get rid of Israel. Push Israel into the sea because you see you can't establish the Ottoman Empire as long as Israel is in there unless you're not an empire controlling Israel, like back in the day. But that's not going to happen now. So this is what's happening. And the current administration is, by the way, pulling those American flags out of there, like we did in Afghanistan. And this has created any, even the liberal media is still mind-boggled, because it's all of those places we just lacked at in all of those maps, all of these people are flooding in. They're coming in there now because there's no one to stop them because we bailed out. So the return of the Ottoman Empire is happening right before our eyes <coughs> in light of specifically what has taken place in just the past year. We'll just call it a year. It's right before our eyes, folks. But it doesn't have anything to do with us, right? See, of course, there's Israel in the midst of all that. Did you just see yesterday... So the, uh, the Israelis caught a Palestinian, we now know it's Hezbollah, I mean, I'm sorry, Hamas guy, and he, because he's being held captive, he's doing a hunger strike. And Hezbollah comes out and says, well, if Israel doesn't do this, we're going to respond because they're assassinating him, right? That's ultimately an assassination. We're going to respond. We don't let anybody assassinate our people. Does anybody know what happened? What, has this actually been a couple of weeks now? 
that Hamas people assassinated an Israeli citizen, not even a soldier. And the UN and the world said and did nothing. Nothing. This is, uh, you can see here, Gilad Erdan, the Jewish blood, he's talking about that murder, has barely dried. This is about the UN, I think most of you know, a couple of weeks ago, said Jerusalem isn't Jewish. The Temple Mount isn't Jewish. Yeah, this is stopped, right? It's in our day. This should solve the problem, right? If Israel's the problem, stop the It's not. So now the temple site. So the entire world, the UN, all but 11 countries, which thank God we're one of, said that the land of Israel and the Temple Mount is now Muslim. It belongs to the Arabs. When's the last Arab coin, when was the last Arab coin found in the city of Jerusalem in archaeology? It wasn't. When was any representative of anything Muslim found in any of these archaeological digs in the land of Israel? It isn't. Why is there a Garden of Gethsemane and a, the wall that remains from Herod's temple and Rachel's tomb, David's tomb? Why are these in the land of Israel if it was Arab land? Folks, we need to start asking these questions. But this is what he said. This Jewish blood has barely dried and you have the audacity to single out Israel for violence in Jerusalem? This is why, by the way, countries are boycotting Israel. <laughs> ignore what Hamas and Hezbollah has done. Because it's about Israel. Israel's the problem. Sad. Today you will vote on the three resolutions, three resolutions that have one purpose and one purpose only, to, demoral, to, to demonize Israel. One of the most absurd demands in these resolutions is the call to maintain the status quo in Jerusalem when, in essence, the resolution does, not, uh, does the exact opposite by referring to the holiest site in Judaism, the Temple Mount, only by its Muslim name, the resolution itself is changing the status quo, he said. The hypocrisy of these resolutions is truly outrageous, and the world was applauding the U.N., Pastors and pulpits are applauding the decision of the UN. This is the only way we're going to have peace. Well, we just looked at um, 3,000 years of history where there's been no peace. And you doofuses think it's going to happen now? It is morally, historically, and politically wrong for members of this body to support language that denies Jewish and Christian connections to the site. Why? Because people are going there to see the, the Western Wall. What's the Western Wall? It's Jewish! Who was in Jerusalem? Just turn around and look at the dang wall. It's right there. Hezekiah's tunnel. You know, we got Solomon's porch. We got all, I mean, but it's a hope. But it's a, this is the problem. And let's forget everybody else. People's, God's people, you and I have forgotten this. And we're convinced that the problem in the Middle East is current because of Israel. But I just showed you 3,000 years of history that says that isn't true. And I just showed you that that history is repeating itself on the heels of a pandemic, on the heels of economic growth, and what we're being told is the next depression. Wow, where have we seen this before? Okay, and I stood on the sea, back to Revelation, and I saw the beast coming up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and on its horns were ten crowns, and on its heads were the name of blasphemy. Gee, we sounds like we've heard this before. And the beast which I saw, pay attention, was like a leopard, and its feet like those of a bear, and its mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, that is Satan, the enemy, the dragon gave him its power, its seat, and great authority. 
stands there today. Folks, go and get a picture next to it. The church is oblivious. We know the world's oblivious. Those feet, folks, are not a leopard feet. They're bare. Leopards are round with, you know, the, you know, you've seen the pictures. These are like a, a bear. This is exactly what Revelation said. Now, the interesting thing, it's got the head of a lion, it's got the wings of an eagle, it's got all of the stuff of those old things that we said in front of a building that just said Israel and the Jews are not a part of Jerusalem. You know, just like Nebuchadnezzar said, just like Persians said, just like the Greeks and the Romans and the Byzantines and the Ottomans and everybody else. Just like that. Nothing has changed. But I look at this thing, and it's just, I'm like... People actually, people are drooling over this. Notice the rainbow color. But anyway, um, this is the statue of the peace of humanity. I'm looking at this and I'm wondering if this was done as a slam to the Bible. Uh, You know, in other words, we're going to show you. Or if they're just that dumb and think this is really it. But if that's it, how do they know that all of these kingdoms, the Persians, the, the, the Iranians, the Babylonians, that the Greece, how do they all know they're all part of this? Unless, I don't know, they're all part of it. It's called the United Nations. You can Google this. And by the way, and I couldn't find the quote, I just ran myself out of time. At the latest climate summit just a few months ago, Prince Charles of England stood before that place and was talking about all of this stuff and climate change and the great danger that it is. Apparently, he didn't watch Spock a few years ago because he would have been old enough. Anyway, he didn't see that one. But, but he's talking about all of this. And as he's going into this, he starts talking about the world economy and one world. And then he makes this statement, which nobody knows why he said it. And when he comes, he will have control of the economy. You could, I'm telling you, Google it. I'm telling you. You don't think this world is being set up for this? Because the world thinks, the people of the world, the nations of the world, the leaders of the world think they're in control. They're in control of Zip or Zada. We're watching it happen again. Because, folks, we've been watching this movie all along. All along. We've just been sleeping through most of it. So what's going to happen in 2022? You're going to see, for all intents and purposes, all of the signs are pointing to Russia invading Ukraine and trying to get control of that. Or you're going to see Turkey and Azerbaijan, which are already having problems. I know many of you are familiar with this. Clearly, you're going to see Syria. Uh, something is, is about to break over there, and there's nothing to stop it now because America is impotent. You got China going to take over. You just watch. Tomorrow is the third, which is the two-year anniversary of the assassination of Qasem Suleiman, the, the leader of Quds, uh, of the Quds Brigade of Iran up in, in, um, in Iraq. And the Americans that are there have already been told by the U.S. government and by Israel and by some of the other governments to prepare themselves because the threats are as a retaliation for his death on January 3rd, two years ago, they're going to attack the U.S. bases. But let's just go home and watch football. Let's just go, you know, take a nap. That's what I'm going to do. 
and watch football. I'm not saying we shouldn't do these things. I'm saying when you're watching this, think about what's going on in the rest of the world because, folks, it's coming to a world near you. These people were going to try to control you. What do you think they're talking about weapons for? What do you think they're doing this, this whole pandemic? Why do you think they're doing all of this stuff? It's control because you and I are going to resist. Well, most of us will. It's, it's just happening. We have to wake up and quit acting like this isn't going to happen. Our kids, my kids, my grandkids, what kind of world is waiting for them while I play church? This is the world they're going to inherit with the representation of this horrid-looking statue representing, that's the world representation that your kids are going to be in. What are you going to do about it as a parent to prepare them? You're just going to let them get swept away with it? Because that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. This is coming through our colleges. It's coming through our high schools. It's coming through our education system as a whole. It just is. It's all being ingrained in there. It's just sad. I keep saying it. I keep saying it. I keep saying it because it's not happening. Wake up. Wake up. You see, we get the folks to pass out the elements. If we can um, think about back to that day in the upper room, that where Jesus was doing what we call the Last Supper. He was talking, he was promising that there was going to come a day where, and, and this was after he had told them the direction that the world was going to go. And as they're in the Last Supper, he tells them that he's to not be afraid, to not be concerned, because the world is doing these things, because I've overcome the world. And, and he's told them already that he's going to be crucified. But it's okay. They're going to bury me. But that's okay too. Because I'm going to rise again on the third day. So don't, don't worry about this, guys. Be of good cheer. Don't be troubled over this. You see, the world is in disarray. It hasn't changed since the days of Abraham. There's been this constant conflict over the Middle East. Nothing has changed, nor will it change. What is going to change it? When Jesus does what he said he will do, when he returns. That's when the king will set this all straight. But he promised those guys that day that, listen, I'm going to go and prepare a place, and when I go and get this place prepared, I'm going to come and get you to take you where I am. This is the problem. You, you can't ignore this. He didn't say, you're coming to me. He said, I'm going to come and get you to take you where I am. Where is he? Well, he's in the Father's house. So, so that's the promise. And the, the, the promise is that the world is just going to get worse and worse and worse, and we're certainly seeing that. But how do we overcome that? Because of what he did for us on the cross. That he gave his life, and he represented that in the breaking of bread, and he poured out his life represented in the cup, his blood. He said, this is the new covenant, this new agreement that I've made with you. This is, this is between us, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm making this promise to you. 
And we all know later on in the very heart of where this all we were just talking about in Greece, what we now know was Greece, there was the Corinthian church and they just completely ignored everything. And we're abusing the Lord's Supper. And so Paul writes the very familiar words to us now because we read it every month. But this is what Paul says. Look, if you eat this bread or you drink this cup in an unworthy manner, you will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So understand what it is you're doing. This isn't just a tradition. It's not a ceremony. The very first words that they put up here before anyone was up here is that our hope in the new year is not in any person. It's not in anything. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if our hope is in anything else, we need to change. So if you don't, if you take light of this, then you're going to bring judgment unto yourself. Because the very promise that God made to you, you're basically spitting in his face over it. So then Paul says, so let a man examine himself. So this is what we do, so that when we receive, so each of us before the Lord, go on your own behalf and just empty all of this stuff out. He already knows how doofy you are. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to surprise him. I'm not really sure if you know this, Lord, but I, really? He knows. But understand that he's promised to take all of those things, no matter how stupid. And if you're like me, they're really stupid things that we do. And he's promised to just push those aside like any truly loving father does for his son. He's going he's gonna, to, because of forgiveness, because of what Jesus did for us. So go before the Lord for a few moments on your own and just lay it all out there for him. We know that none of us are worthy to partake of this. We know. The only reason we are is because of him that lives within us. Recognize that. So let's take a few moments, each of us as individuals, and just get our hearts prepared to recognize what God has done. Well, Father, we just come before you bearing our hearts. And I know for me, and I would assume speaking for a lot of us in here, getting rid of the stuff that I've already brought to the table is really not the challenge. The challenge is not to add anything to that table in the future. When I have what I need to not, to not pile on stupidity again, to not continue to do what we just talked about the world doing, repeat the same mistakes. But Lord, you know me, and, and you know, it, it, again, we're going gonna to have to ask forgiveness because I just know. I don't want to be. I don't like to be. That's how it is until you come back and change me, Lord. So forgive us for what we have done. Strengthen us for what lies ahead.
so that we won't continue to do the same foolish things as we prepare our hearts to receive the communion table. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh. Now remember, these are stuck together for you guys. So don't, you know, so don't yake the top one out and throw it on the person behind you. Okay. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take and eat this. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We know, Lord, that the representation here is you giving your life for ours. It's substitution. You took our place. The place that we were deserving of, you stepped in and took the penalty upon yourself. Lord, we want to remember, so help us never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. The life, Lord, is in the blood. Our life is in your life, which was your blood, represented in that. So, Lord, you substituted yourself for us. <clears throat> you have shared, put upon us your life. We are now covered. We are atoned for. We are all of these wonderful things. We remember, Lord, what these things are. My desire, I hope everyone in here's desire, is to remember them regularly, consistently as we go from this place so that we become the people, the men, the women, the fathers, the grandparents, the children, whatever we are, that we need to be. Because again, Lord, there is nothing new under the sun. None of this should take, take us by surprise. This world is in horrible condition and it's getting worse every single day. And we haven't seen anything yet like we will see in this coming year. But Lord, at the same time, we have a hope in us that, we, that cannot be extinguished if we hold on to that hope. So as we move forward in the days ahead with the horrendous things that are going to take place, whether it's this year or in, a, in coming years, either way, it's out there in front of us, and it's going to get ugly. Lord, help us to maintain our hope and maintain our trust and our faith in you. There is nothing happening that you weren't aware of. We've said so many times, the world is not coming undone. It is going exactly as you said that it would. It's coming together. For your people, we should already know this. Wake us out of our stupor, Lord. Alert us to the, the severity of the situation that we find ourselves in, not in just our little world that surrounds us, but in the bigger picture, because what's happening in that world will affect us directly, not just in the United States, but in our very homes, in the lives of our children. Help us never to forget that. So thank you, Lord, for meeting here with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs>